Hello and welcome to the official Leeds United podcast with me, Matthew Lewis, and and nobody else. Uh, it's feeling very lonely in the uh, virtual studio today because um, all of my all of my uh, co-hosts are incredibly busy. Emma Emma's obviously in very very high demand, so she's all away, very very busy. Um, Bex is laying on a beach. He's laying on a beach, and um, apparently all of the speedos that he jammed into his suitcase would not allow for his microphone to fit in there. So uh, Bex won't be joining us either. Um, And obviously, our star man, Patrick Bamford, is very, very busy, not only recovering from injury, but as we're all aware, as his newborn baby um, to look after. So it's just me. But speaking of babies, um, we did record a few weeks ago a chat with Bex about the life of being a parent as a Premier League footballer, which um, obviously is not an easy task anyway. But then you add in the uh, the trials and tribulations of uh, training and, and professional sports and um, well, it becomes a little bit tricky as Bex outlined for us. So here you go. Without further ado the parenthood episode. Right then, boys. Patrick recently shared with us the lovely news that Michaela had given birth to their gorgeous little girl, Amelia. Huge congratulations. Absolutely amazing. Yay. Not so much for Pat because he's not really done much. Yeah, he's probably not getting much sleep. He he provided 50% of the genes, so that's his part. Well done, Pat. (laughs) He definitely provided the eyebrows, I'd say. uh, <laughs> Has Amelia got a strong eyebrow game? Well, she's got full head of hair, and like she's like she's not going to have to worry about anything like that. Not with Pat's brows, and he's like a werewolf, isn't he? <laughs> oh no! Well, let's just be grateful he doesn't listen, eh? Best, you- <laughs> <laughs> That's scandalous as well, by the way. No, hold on, hold on. Let's let's okay. talk about this because I think that is disgusting. <laughs> is that why he's not tuning in? Because he's not on it. What? He loves the, the sound of his own voice. Is that what we're hearing? That's it. He only listens when he's on it. Patrick Bamford, you're a joke, mate. I'm joking. We love you, really. We'll know because he'll drop a message into our WhatsApp group referencing his eyebrows. And that's when we'll know he's listened, won't we? Um, but Bex, you've been there and yeah. you've done it in terms of being a footballer and being a father. Have you reached out to Pat and offered him any advice at all? Not until he comes on the pod, no. Absolutely not. I don't know what he thinks this is. There's no free advice out here. I, I wonder if he wants your advice or if he did Listen, the opposite. I've, I've been successful three times, I'm just saying. <laughs> um, do you know what? It's, it's, it's interesting because you've got to have understanding between yourself and between your partner as well. And, and if you've got that understanding that, for example, you know training, you're, you're, go, you're going to be training uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the game on Saturday, you could get away with having a broken night's sleep one or two nights of, of the week, the nights that you are actually training. But ultimately, once you finish playing on the Saturday, you've got all Saturday evening, all day Sunday to spend with the little one and to to kind of nurture them and, and get that love and affection then. So that's where having a, a nice, balanced understanding partner helps as long as you're helping during the daytime that's something that I found uh, worked for myself what you mean by that is Bex that as long as your partner does all the night shifts pretty much <laughs> uh yeah pretty much <laughs> um, but do you know what what's that like um from the partner's point of view because I imagine like you say it requires a great amount of understanding when you're that sleep deprived to be able to do that yeah, absolutely. Again, I could just base it on my own personal um, experiences. Now, 
We had uh, grandparents, we've had friends and everything that have come over, family uh, members, relatives that come over during the the daytimes and help. So it gives you a little bit of a break during the daytime, sleep when baby sleeps, wake up when baby's awake. And then that worked for, for me, that worked for my missus. So the times where we found it the hardest is when you don't have that out, outside external help, you know, when you have to literally have to do it all yourself. And I know not a lot of people, not everybody is is as fortunate to have a, a strong support circle, loved ones, uh, friends, family, etc., to help them on a on a daily basis or on a regular basis. But it does help to keep your sanity because you can still feel like you are a person rather than a minder looking after somebody, you know, because eventually it will start to grate away and it will start to to wear away at you. And um, that's, that's what I found having a little bit of time to, to, if, if I've got the little one, I made sure my missus will go away, go and do something, have, have a break, go shopping or go for a walk or go to the coffee shop or whatnot. And then whenever she was looking after the little one, then I would do the same. I would disappear. But we'd also have time where it's, it's all of us together. Um, and that's that's key. That is massively key. How how tricky was it um, to separate the uh, the feelings and emotions of football from, from family in that I can imagine you sort of, you know, you're you've always you know you've you've got this winning mentality you like to win and you hate to lose and i imagine you could get pretty grumpy when you've you maybe it's not going well on the pitch or maybe you've lost a game you thought you should have won or whatever me? no never <laughs> no never <laughs> um, how hard is it maybe on a sunday after you've after you've got beat on a saturday to like like cutting your baby's crying and you, you want, you want to get, you're already you're already sleep deprived and you're annoyed was it quite tricky to did did your missus have to be kind of aware of of that was it quite a hard thing to balance um it's it was tricky initially, but I've always been one of those people that can that can take myself out of a footballing situation and put myself in dad mode, in home right. mode, in uh, husband mode, in friend mode. So I, I've always been able to to switch off from you know everyday life as soon as I crossed the white line playing football. Right. Nothing else outside of those those lines matter until I get off the pitch. And then everything kicks back in again. So it's just about, again, it, that that social circle, that that help, help it, it does genuinely help a lot. It really does because like, um, what I used to do, we played on a on a Saturday, but I used to struggle to sleep after matches. Uh, always have, mm-hmm. and so I would use that as as my time to get to know my little one. You know, so it was literally just the two of us. My missus will go to bed early. She'd have a full night's sleep or whatever. And then I would just be up with the little one up until about three in the morning, four in the morning. And then, you know, I would I would give my missus a, a very friendly elbow in the ribs to wake her up in the middle of the night. And I would go back to sleep. So I would sleep until maybe 11, 12 o'clock and she would take over. And then when I woke up, then we'll, we'll alternate and... It's just about finding a balance, finding a structure that works for you. And just because something works for me doesn't mean it will work for the next person. But, you know, it's always nice to have those guidelines and um, understand that you're obviously not the only person in the world that's going to go through these situations as well. But understanding how different people have dealt with it. Like I had lots of people tell me to read different books 
um, I can't remember half the books of of parenting guidelines and, and guidebooks and all that sort of stuff. I read half of them and they are absolute nonsense. I'm not going to say exactly what I think about them, but they're nonsense. Leave baby to, to, to cry for five minutes and then you go in and then you you go out after five minutes, you go back in for 10 minutes and it, I'm thinking, none of this makes any sense, <laughs> but, but somebody's written it in a book. So you try it and it didn't work for me. I found something that did work for me, you know? So it's just about figuring what, what, what works for you as an individual, as, as uh, parents. This, this is all, you know, very diplomatic stuff. I just want to know real talk. Like, was there ever a moment you're on the pitch? Maybe you're, you're flagging a little bit. You're not for maybe you were maybe you were a yard too short to get to that cross. You think that was that little git waking up last night. And you started blaming blaming the kids for your performances. Has that ever happened? No, absolutely not. It was never the kids. It was my missus' fault for making me get up with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute scandal! I can't believe she's made me get up at three o'clock in the morning. What does she no think respect. this is? It's a joke. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Jermaine, do you look back now, because obviously your kids are slightly more grown up now. Yeah, do yeah. you look back now, you and your partner, I don't know if you've discussed it at all, and go, how do we do that? How do we get through that period? Yeah, every, every single day. Like, we're still going through that now. You know, we, we, we wake up and, and see the little ones run into the room. And as soon as they run into their bedrooms and go and get their school uniforms on and brush their teeth and we're meeting them downstairs for some some breakfast or whatnot, we look at each other like, wow, this is, this is crazy. Uh, how, how on earth do they know what to do? Did we teach them that? Or is it school <laughs> or is it grandparents or is it friends? Or and literally every single day. And we're still learning. We're still learning about them all the time, learning how to deal with certain situations. Um, things that we, as, as adults, we forget. Kids go through the exact same, uh, same situations like making new friends or having one of your, uh, one of your school friends, um, break the the nib of your pencil at school, but you haven't got a pencil sharpener and, you know, you need it to do your maths homework or <laughs> like little things that are completely irrelevant in the big yeah. world, the grand scheme of things, but they're so vital and so important that these little people that you've managed to, to nurture and teach and grow are learning how to deal with situations like that. But it's, for me, uh, I, I, I try not to get frustrated and say, oh, it's completely irrelevant. Don't even think about it. Don't worry about it. The little kid's an idiot anyway, blah, blah, blah. The emotional side of it comes out of, of yourself as well. So it's instead of saying that kid's an idiot, go up to them and break their pencil. You say, don't worry, sweetheart. There's probably something that's going on with them that made them um, act out. You know, some people do that in life and it's just about figuring out how to deal with different people in different situations and, you know, trying to make them a little bit more understanding of of other people and other kids so it's, it's situations like that 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 test you every single day you you've been very um very honest and open and i really really appreciate because it it's very very interesting but um you know feel free to sort of say um no i don't want to i don't want to go into that but um i'm interested in in i imagine that the upbringing that your children have had was was very different from what you had when you told us, you know, when you grew up on the council estate in London and, and, um, you know, the rough and ready was, was not very far away at all times. Um, yeah. <laughs> how difficult is that? Obviously you you must be pleased that your kids don't have to grow up in a similar situation, but also you want to keep them grounded and, you know, know that the, mm. the, the, the life of a, of a former premier league footballer is, is not quite 
the life of the vast majority of people growing up in in England. So is is, is there a, is there a difficulty there to try and keep them keep them grounded and, and keep them in in the real world? Absolutely, absolutely, every single day, and it's tough because my kids go to a school where all the parents are hugely successful. Right. So by me trying to keep my kids grounded is so difficult because. You know, you've got other kids who are, are pulling up in like Rolls Royce trucks or Bentley right. Jeeps and and um, they own their own airlines and things like this. And and I'm saying to my kids, look, no, you can't have those that pair of trainers for 50 quid because you're eight or you're nine or you're 17. No, you have to understand the value of money. And then they're saying, yeah, but they've got Balenciaga trainers and they're like <laughs> 700 pounds. So can I have a pair? And I'm like, what are you? Are you actually joking me? And I see... The, the council estate boy comes out at me and I'm like, well, look, for, for 700 quid a month, we could have a, a couple of properties that we're paying a mortgage on, which gives us an income. So I'm saying those trainers there are a massive waste of money. Let's do this instead. And obviously being eight and nine and 17 years old, it doesn't quite go down so well, does it? <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. Um, so it's every day is um, every day is a challenge to try and um, get them to, to understand, firstly, the value of money. Um, mm. that it doesn't grow on trees, that it's not, it's not easy to come by. But secondly, that you shouldn't base your happiness on somebody else's um, fortunes or misfortunes. You know, whatever makes me happy won't necessarily make one of you guys happy and vice versa. But we're happy for that other person. And I'm trying to teach my kids that. But I also want my kids to have a little bit of the... Um, real world understanding you know i i know for a fact my my kids are fortunate but i i want them to understand that not everybody is in that situation that same situation um so not to rub anything in anybody's faces not that they would anyway because i've, I've you know we've brought them up a certain way but it's it's tough as i mentioned before there's there's other kids that they um hang around with and converse with on a on a daily basis who haven't had the same upbringing as myself. The, the parents haven't had the same upbringing. So their outlook on life is completely different. You know, they would want to fly first class everywhere they fly. Whereas I see first class flights as they're nice, don't get me wrong, but you know, that's, that's three more holidays that we've missed out on just because you want to fly in first class. Now you don't get there any quicker. You don't get there any quicker. You're all, everybody's on the same plane. We'll get, I'll get you quicker. priority boarding. Don't get me wrong. Like that's like 15 quid. I'm happy to do that. But you know, it's, it's just about finding those, yeah. um, a, a balance. Yeah. It's just and that'll about help balance. keep them grounded and they will appreciate that in the long run. And it will also mm. probably give them more of a drive and desire to create their own lives and forge their own. Yeah. Cause daddy was so stingy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, Jermaine, was there a moment or maybe it's yet to come or do you remember it when your children realized who you were and <laughs> um yeah like my eldest Shante she's um she's 17 now she's 18 this year oh my god 18 this year it's crazy wow. um she's she's obviously seen everything um so it was easier for her to kind of understand what was going on it's not easy. Don't get me wrong, because there's certain certain expectations that come with uh, with that, with having your dad playing professional football. Um, so she she has, has seen it firsthand for the whole of her life. 
and and had an understanding of of it for the whole of her life. Whereas my two younger ones, Nola and Ren, Nola's nine, she's um, going to be ten in June, and Ren is eight. They don't know any different, so they've only seen Daddy the football player. They've been to the stadiums where everybody's singing and chanting my name, or you know, walking down the streets and and people want pictures or have a conversation, and they see that as normal. Now that's that's not normal, which is what I try to explain to them. But it's hard for me personally to to say that to them because all they see from me is people approaching me and you know wanting to talk to me or uh, wanting to get a photo or whatnot. So that's their normal. And when they first found out, my little girls, my my girls, they're not that bothered at all in the slightest. My little boy is football mad and. I kept on trying to show him certain aspects of playing football that I found easy, relatively straightforward, and for him to to watch and learn and listen to me because I know what I'm talking about when it comes to football. He doesn't listen to me <laughs> ever. It's a nightmare. So he would listen to Joe blogs off the street before right. he listens to me. <laughs> yeah. Like it's so. I don't know. I don't think you understand how frustrating it is. It's, it's yeah. the most annoying thing. Because but, you're not Premier League footballer Jermaine Beckford, you're just my dad. And yeah. I'm not listening to you. Exactly. I've got yeah. FIFA cards and all sorts, yeah. you know, but it's irrelevant. But there <laughs> but, will um, come a point though, Jermaine, I reckon when he's older, where he'll go, oh my God, my dad was telling me all of this stuff. And that's because my dad was Premier League footballer Jermaine Beckford. Well, this is this is the thing. So we had, a, we had almost an epiphany moment. Um, it, it must've been about a couple of weeks ago now. And... You know, we were. I was watching him training. He was he was training at um, Everton's academy and enjoying himself. And then one of the other parents came up to me and said, "Oh, Jermaine, what can we do with my little boy to to help him do this and that?" And then I saw Ren, my little boy, turn his head and he went, "What are you asking him for?" <laughs> he said, "Are you joking? Your dad is amazing. He, he did this and that. Have a look at this." And the guy pulled out his phone and oh. showed him a couple of uh, a couple of uh, a couple of my goals, and. Ren just went, what? Like this. Um, I've been trying to show him my whole life, his whole life. <laughs> he pays no attention to me, but some stranger off the street. And he's like, wow, daddy, that's amazing. So it was like, it was that moment. And since then, all he wanted to do with me is, is play football in the house and listen to me. He started to listen to right. me, guys. Yeah. Oh my a- gosh, it's the nicest feeling ever. See, this is what it's all for. This is what it's all for. <laughs> Sleepless nights, they're worth it. Yeah, Finally, I am heard. Um, but but in terms of football, Jermaine, do you get much flexibility when you become a dad? Because in most jobs, you'll get paternity leave, you know, for a few weeks. Um, what's it like in football when you have a child? How does it work around you or does it not? It doesn't really, if I'm honest. Um, that's why you'll tend to find a lot of footballers have kids during the summer months in the off season um, well and get married. Uh, yeah, exactly. And get married during those months as well. It depends on the relationship you've got with the, with the manager, with the coach um, and your importance to the team as well. Like obviously if you're one of the key players um, and you've got a very big game coming up at the weekend, but your missus has just given birth, you'll be allowed to go to the birth, but you're going to be playing on the weekend. So just make sure you're fit for the game on the weekend. So it, it just completely varies. It depends. I've been quite fortunate because I've had a, a lot of managers who I've, I've gotten on really well with. Um, so when my little boy was born, he was born in December. 
the 10th of December. So it's a it's a little bit of a tricky month because the games start to come thick and fast. Mm. So I think I missed the game immediately after his birth, but then I was back not too long after that. So I, I was out maybe two or three days and then back in training two days and in a match. But then there's there's others that I know who one or two have, have been to the birth of their kid on the Friday night or the Saturday morning and they're in the squad the Saturday afternoon. So it it just it just depends. Is it is it something that some players might even um depending on the level of respect or or fear you have of the manager that you might even <laughs> almost ask for permission? Like I, I can imagine like Pat like knocking on Bielsa's door with his cap in hand. Excuse me, like, Mr. Mr. Bielsa. Bielsa. <laughs> thinking of having a, a baby. Is oh. that is that all right? No, okay, no, we won't then. Don't worry about it. I just I just Please, wonder, does, <laughs> is there any kind of thing where where a player might be concerned? Like, God, if I, I don't I don't want to drop this information on the coach now that in nine months I'm not going to be fully committed. Do you know what? I think it's it's a difficult one because obviously the um, managers aren't necessarily usually in jobs for that long if we're being honest you know right. anywhere between between nine months and 17 18 months roughly is like the lifespan of a manager in whichever clubs they may go to so in terms of actually saying it to the as soon as you find out yeah not a problem because they probably won't be here anyway <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but the last gap has already promised me that time off so i'm off you know, so I think it it all depends on again, as I touched on the relationship you have with the manager. Now, I've I've been quite fortunate to to have been open with every manager I've had, whether I've been feeling good, whether I've been feeling bad, happy, sad. Um, you know, I, that's just me. You lot know me now. You know, I don't I don't hide anything. I just I just talk and get on with it. You know, because I've I've been through phases and times in my life where. I have tried to keep certain um, situations private and I felt like it started to eat away at me a little bit. Mm. And the, the hardest, it's the hardest thing to deal with something major by yourself. So um, I just figured, you know, sometimes it's best to just be an open book as long as it's not going to be detrimental to yourself um, and just have that faith and trust in everybody that they're going to do the right thing with the information that you give them. If not, you know, not to let it affect you in, in too much of a negative way because ultimately everybody's going to have an opinion but not necessarily every opinion is relevant to yourself. And what about your teammates, Jermaine? Did attitudes from them change towards you or were they? did they ask you about the baby? Do you know what? Football is like, I guess it's like acting, I guess it's like presenting where you are in an industry and everybody is going through very similar situations at the same sort of times, you're always going to find somebody that you can relate to. Um, you know, there's, there's always a, a variety of different age ages of, uh, members of your, your cast or your team or your, um, your, your buddies or whatnot. So you're, you're definitely going to find somebody that you can relate to. You can, you can have a conversation with about something if it's, if it's troubling you, but they've already been through a situation like that before. So, you know, I wasn't getting invited to the, you know, uh, the big nightclubs anymore, the China Whites or Belugas or any of that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I was getting invited to dinner parties, which are quite mm. nice. You know, it's a little yeah. bit calmer. The music's a little yeah. bit softer, but the conversation flows a little bit nicely, you know, a little bit easier, which gives you an opportunity to get to know somebody, to really get to know somebody, to understand what makes them tick, to what, um, you know, and, and see what common ground you have. And if there's something that 
you don't necessarily know or understand about somebody, I love to listen. I can talk a lot, obviously, you know that, but I love to listen to different people and see how they manage to get to a specific position in their life at that time. And if I can learn something from that situation, from that conversation, oh my God, it's going to be a, it's, it's, it's a bonus. I'm happy. I do miss dancing now. <laughs> um, and how would you feel, Jermaine, if any of your children pursued a professional footballing career? Um, do you know what? I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Be over the moon. But I also know that not everybody is going to have the same passions or desires or dreams or aspirations as myself. Now, I had my aspirations and my dreams when I was a young boy. And I've been extremely fortunate to have been able to reach those and and surpass them as well. That's just that's just me and mine. But you know, when you reach a certain level, you set new goals and new aspirations and new dreams, and and that's how you continue to to grow and to evolve. Now, as much as I would love for my kids to follow my footsteps, I don't want them to. I want them to do whatever they want to do, whatever makes them happy, whatever their dreams, their aspirations, their focuses are. I want them to pursue them with absolutely everything they've got. And if they become successful in in whatever field it may be, in uh, science, in mathematics, in sports, I don't care what it is. I just want them to be happy, focused, and driven. And that's that's the most important thing for me. And just finally, Jermaine, which child is your favourite? I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Oh my god! What one came to the forefront of your mind then, though, didn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> they all caused me grief and hassle. <laughs> uh, Jermaine, no, Jim- I love them all. Yeah, yeah, that's the diplomatic answer. Yeah. Um, that has been really, really insightful, though. Thank you. So, fingers crossed, if Pat does decide he wants to listen to the official Leeds United podcast, he can take something He probably won't. No. He probably won't. Save your breath. <laughs> <laughs> so, there we go. I hope that gives you a little insight into having children um, or, or having children as a Premier League footballer. I guess the takeaway from that, the conclusion is don't have kids. Or, or, or if you do don't also play in the Premier League. I suppose that's a more healthy way to look at it. Uh, Anyway, onwards and upwards. Uh, Enjoy Watford, three points and safety. (laughs) I hope. All right, guys, take it easy. Bye-bye.